business is about growing revenue and unfortunately especially in the startup world it has become synonymous with raising money so people celebrate raising money and i look at them i'm like do you know what you're celebrating you are taking somebody's money and you are on the hook to now deliver results so they are going to be knocking on your doors every 3 months saying okay what the hell is going on with my money right and they are going to have opinions about how you want to run your business and in so many cases what i have seen is so many cases people keep raising money and by the end of it they are left with like 2% equity in their own company you are listening to the high growth founders podcast where we give you unfiltered truth and ideas about accelerating the growth of your startup and becoming the founder you were born to be no fluff no games just straight to business I'm your host Casey Jones. Through my career as a coach, consultant, advisor and mentor, I've worked with hundreds of founders on their go-to-market strategy, building an authentic personal brand and growing as a leader. You are here for one thing, growth. And this show is dedicated to helping founders accelerate growth. Period. We will dive into not only the best strategies that are working today, but discuss the biggest mistakes and failures that industry leaders have made in the past so you don't have to. So kick back, relax, and let's get into the show. Get ready for one of the most inspiring founder stories you will ever hear. Uh, today I talked to Manoj Agarwal and his entire story of going from making $2 a day, working 12 hours a day in a factory in India to working with some of the biggest technology brands you have ever heard of, um, Microsoft ring a bell, um, and to now leading an amazing sounding revenue growth accelerator for early stage startups where they use AI and relationship building to seriously help startups grow. The The whole thing is absolutely fascinating. So incredibly interesting. And we really get into some really under-discussed topics around the connection points between technology and humanity, about how human behavior feeds AI and it can feed human behavior positively. Um, we talk about um, his daily practices, how he finds joy in the grind, like a million things that are the true embodiment of what I think about when I think about a high growth founder. Um, this is going to be one you do not want to miss. So please keep listening and soak up the wisdom from Manoj. Okay, Manoj, before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much for being willing to take the time and have this conversation. I have been looking forward to this uh, ever since we booked time. And I will just, I'll admit to the audience, I just told you this, you were in my dream last night and it was me talking about being excited for this. So I don't think that's ever happened. So I'm clearly really, really looking forward to talking to you. So um, thank you. Thank you so much for I'm um, excited, honored, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this myself. Good. Thank you so much for having me. 
No, thank you. So, you know, as we kick things off, just, and your story is rich and there's a million things that we're going to cover, but tell us a little bit about what you do um, today. Yeah, so today I'm considered one of the leading uh, experts in the field of artificial intelligence. I have four patents in artificial intelligence and machine learning. I have authored two books on technology, and I'm running an accelerator where we help businesses accelerate their growth, revenue growth, uh, through artificial intelligence. Very, very cool. And all things related, well, all things related to growth, near and dear to my heart, but especially when we're talking about business revenue growth, that is... um... That's that's my jam. That's what I get excited about. So you and I will have to have lots more conversations about these things. Um, the way we start every interview is talking about the tough stuff. So you know what I always say is we don't we don't learn that much from when things all just magically go right or you know strokes of luck. We learn from adversity and from challenge, um, but we don't often we don't talk enough about those challenges and and how we learn from them. So I would love it if you would share a story of something you've been through or are going through um, that is a challenge that has taught you something that ultimately leads to some tremendous growth uh, in your life. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll try to tie it all together, um, uh, you know, uh, so that it all makes sense to the audience as well as um, so basically, you know, I grew up in India and uh, I had a tough life back in India. I was I used to work in a factory for $2 a day. And somehow, somewhere I said, okay, you know, I want to change my life. And I uh, fell in love with computers. Came over to North America, started working with a lot of big names, Microsoft, IBM, ING Bank. Had a lot of professional success. But I also had a lot of problems with my relationships, relationship with my parents with my spouse and ultimately I had my firstborn uh, son and I had challenges connecting with him as well, which was the turning point in my life where I said, okay, you know, I really need to figure this out because I've been blaming all the adults in my life that you don't understand me, you know, something's wrong with you, but I cannot say that to my child. And that led me into, you know, seeking answers. So I went into meditation spirituality, learning a lot about human psychology, uh, neuroscience. And then as I was looking through all this, um, I was also, you know, getting a lot of work done on artificial intelligence. And I found a a lot of commonality between how human society is built, Mm. how we think, and how artificial intelligence is interacting with that society. And and psychology is affecting artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence is affecting psychology. So these things started to, you know, percolate in my mind that, okay, you know, right now, as far as I see, a lot of good is being done through AI, but a lot of harm is being done through AI as well. Yeah. So how can I use AI to fix some of these problems? And when one of my passions is fixing relationships and building more relationships with like-minded people. And when I started working on my business, I found that I severely lacked in that area and uh, that that severely limited my growth in terms of business. So now bringing it all back, then I said, okay, let's use AI to help people establish relationships, which ultimately will lead to business growth. And that is where, you know, this whole accelerator idea came through. And in terms of challenges, 
when covid hit uh, a lot of people were going through a lot of stressful time and in my household the stress went through the roof and so um my marriage of 24 years dissolved and so at that time i decided okay now it's even more urgent for me to press on this and take it to market prove the value of this to a lot of people which which were skeptical and so throughout the covid lockdown i basically locked myself um uh, into my basement and worked on all these technologies coming together uh creating some really big impact for people and uh, and and uh, and to to say to to validate the point that you brought up each challenge is an opportunity in disguise so that challenge going through you know a separation going through a divorce through a pandemic um uh you know just just thinking about what the future holds was the biggest growth period for me yeah um and i at at some level i'm thankful for that i'm i'm sure and i you know it's still new so i'm also sure the gratitude will grow over time when you start to realize what these realizations are opening up um i i love what you're talking about though because you're you're talking about things in a way that i think is fairly rare you know this concept of both kind of human psychology and humanity informing the tech but also the tech informing humanity and human psychology we don't i think most of us tend to be biased towards one of those directions um rather than the other and i love that you're really talking about the need for both and the opportunity for both of these entities to inform the other to make a a a a bigger impact on how we lead our lives um i want to go back to what you talked about of of your childhood you grew up in under some pretty extreme circumstances and and did some amazing things out of that how did you manage um kind of the the mindset and the imposter syndrome and all of these other things managing to go from $2 a day and I want to be clear I've read your story it wasn't $2 for like an 8 hour day it's a 12 12 hour day like these are long long days <laughs> how did you manage um kind of just the psychological challenges of going from that to working with these massive companies like Microsoft you know it's kind of funny when when you look back hindsight is always 2020 but at that time you you have no idea what the hell is going on you just jump into the ocean and say okay hopefully the shark is not going to get me but at the same time you know one thing i tell people that what pushes you forward i mean there are two things one is what is it that you absolutely want to avoid you know when you hit some sort of a rock bottom then you know i cannot go back there i there is no way i want to stay in that position right so that is one uh, one aspect of your life that you need to keep in mind uh, and for me that was going to that factory and the other aspect is what is pulling you forward you know what what is it that you think is possible and from that aspect you know i was uh, maybe lucky or whatever a, a few things happened one was you know in that factory there were a lot of business magazines so i used to flip through those during lunch time and i used to 
look at these people who were like you know launching their companies ipos and all that i was like you know these people look like me they 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 have the same mm. uh you know mind they have same brain same body like what is different about these people like i mean i cannot figure it out the second thing that happened was um the the place where i was living the, the small little apartment i was renting there were a lot of people uh who traveled abroad in that area so they used to tell these stories you know just like sometimes you hear these uh, fairy tales oh you know i went seven seas uh, across seven seas and brought all these riches i'm like man like this life you talk about this not even possible what are you talking about you know people have enough food people have you know they drive cars there everybody drives car i mean that's not possible so that's the pull that i had that okay you know i need to experience this and see for myself how is this even possible so both these factors when you combine them and the third thing is when you really don't care about what people think or say that's mm-hmm. when you can do whatever you want and and then if you keep going keep going keep grinding is the the key thing that you need to remember anybody who wants to be successful they always see the result they never see the grind behind it so you always have to think if you if you're listening and you want to achieve something great in life and everybody can do it by the way 95% of all that is is a grind and day after day after day uh you have to do that but if you enjoy the grind then nobody can stop so i love everything that you're saying and i i do think a huge part of this is is your exposure to um others on a, that are on a different level. And I think it's really interesting. I won't get super into this, but there's been data that shows in the United States, um, they talk about, you know, uh, projects, right? Like the projects in inner cities. Mm-hmm. And what they realize is that putting a ton of people that are economically disadvantaged and aren't super well educated all in one place is actually really detrimental to the younger generation's ability to get out. Mm -hmm. And they realize that it doesn't take a huge amount of diversity. They notice that it is, if there's 4% or more of the people are, have college degrees or good jobs or things like that, that's enough to give those kids this idea of like, wait, maybe I can do something differently. Exactly. And so no matter where we are in our lives, if we can intentionally curate that inspiration and that recognition that we can do great things or get to that other level, it can make a huge difference. But I want to go back to something you just said of you got to enjoy the grind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's your secret for enjoying the grind? What 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 when when things are tough, what makes you find that that spark of joy or curiosity or interest that keeps you going you know see um as i said like there are there are two factors generally you know what is what is behind you what what do you want to avoid and what do you want to achieve right so yeah. um so when you're young you know you want to enjoy life you can you can you want to party whatever that is you know you want to reach a certain status in life that is pulling you forward but i find that as you as you learn about life as you learn about um about society if you uh if you find a purpose that is meant for other people that pulls you even more uh, even more forcefully forward meaning if you want to do something for your fa- i mean typically you know if if 
if you ask a parent they they always say okay i want to do something for my kids you know yeah so generally um we'll find that let's say if you want to spend uh something like a 100 we have a budget of $1000 in a month we'll happily spend that $900 on on somebody else but if we have to buy something for ourselves we'll we'll be like oh maybe i can do it like next month or you know we'll we'll negotiate with ourselves um and so uh so when you flip this around and say okay what is my purpose is my purpose linked to my benefit or others benefit and when you uh in my experience what i have seen is if i if we can link that purpose with somebody else's benefit then it becomes even a bigger superpower and the grind becomes easier because you don't have to negotiate with yourself now you are doing it for somebody else yeah. and so when i when i look at what we are doing right now you know creating relationships through ai helping people grow their business uh you know just gain so much confidence as you said you know people who are in the projects let's say they were given a technology to change their mindset right mm-hmm. and they could see that they have potential like how can that change how much change will will that bring to the world and so if i have to grind for a few years but i can bring about a change that may affect a millions of lives or even like tens of thousands of lives that's a that's a uh, that's a good price to pay for that grind yeah i think you bring up a really good point and it's you know just neurologically when we have a purpose it makes us more resilient and less stressed and all these other things um but i'm but i'm also really curious how do you approach this idea of using ai to build and improve relationships like what are some of the the technologies that you're working on or thinking about that can really help us do that so let's break it down you know it's always uh, being I, i'm an engineer so we uh, engineers think a little bit in a crazy way we think backwards yeah. so we we look at okay what is the result we are looking for and then what are the root causes for this so let's take a relationship how do we build a relationship we build relationship through conversations right everything is a, we are basically a humans are a network of communi- uh, of conversations everything that we get even our life is a result of a conversation right mm-hmm. so now if we can have meaningful conversations with people we can build relationships right now having the meaningful conversation is the key because as humans we are very very imperfect when it comes to communication right that is the understatement of the century manoush mm-hmm. like yes, yes we because let's be honest we're not really taught how to communicate that's exactly, not a exactly that, that's not a thing that we're taught in schools and we are relying on usually our parents um or caregivers models mm-hmm. and they learned theirs from their parents and and so on and so oftentimes when you know you were talking earlier of, of being young and you blame all the adults in your life of like oh you don't get it i think one of the most powerful realizations we can have is you realize you know our parents did the best they could given the really crappy toolkit that they were given by their parents yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it really is up to us to figure out how to do it better and hopefully improve that for the next generation 
Um, but I also, I loved what you just said. You said, you know, engineers think about things differently. Essentially it's, it's this process of reverse engineering. And I, I think that's a, that's a, an approach that we can take much more in our personal lives. If you think of who I want to be or where I want to go and thinking through who I need to become or what I need to do in order to get there, that's a much more action oriented and frankly, a much less sort of mysterious path towards growth. When I work with startups and their founders, it's usually because they know they could be growing faster and they need some help to make it happen. Almost always, my first step with them is to take them through my growth audit process to diagnose and then help them fix the problem. But I can't work with everyone and I still want to help every founder grow. So I've created the growth audit quiz, which asks you some questions about your business and your process of turning a stranger into a loyal, happy customer to help you identify where you have the greatest opportunity to take a big leap forward. So go to a betterjones.com slash growth audit and take the growth audit now. You'll also have a chance to book some time with me to review your answers and together create an action plan to help you grow. So... How do you, from an engineering perspective, or even just from a human perspective, when you think of that outcome that you want to get to, that problem you want to solve, you know, whatever that is, how do you think about the process of reverse engineering it? Like, is there a, a model that you use or a way that you think about the mechanisms or the root mm-hmm. causes that can help you get to get to that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, great question. So, so the thing is that. Um, as you just mentioned, you know, we humans are humans are lazy. First of all, um, so what happens is that when we think that something is working in the real world, we just stop. We say, "Okay, this is working now. I don't want to touch it. Don't break it," and that continues for generations and generations and generations. Right? Then somebody comes along and says, "Hey, by the way, you know, there is another way of doing it. Let let's figure it out." Right? And they collect some data. So when I talk about AI, all it is, is collecting a lot of data and Mm -hmm. finding some patterns in that data, right? Yeah. Finding that pattern, what is working today? And the, and the uh, mistake a lot of people make is they think what is working today will continue to work tomorrow, but that is not the case. We are a dynamic society. So, you know, just like fashion Today, red is in, tomorrow, blue is in, uh, you know, next day, green is in. Same way, what works today will not work tomorrow. And that is the power of AI because AI can re- very, very quickly recognize what is the pattern that is working today, right? So now, what, what as an engineer, uh, what I do is I say, okay, let's see, this is the result we are trying to achieve. Now, I know... This is how industry is doing it. You know, this is what their norm is. But let me see what is the data telling us. So when you look at the data, you can find some patterns which people miss. And you can start to work on those patterns and then start to implement the the steps required to, you know, leverage those patterns. So as I said, when I look at the startup industry, because that's where I belong, right? Their model is you think of an idea you go around begging for money from investors for a couple of years. 
and then you spend it all because most people you know i have seen this firsthand they have no idea how to handle seven figures in their bank account so when they after a couple of years of grinding when they raise the money they're like oh my god i'm rich so let me buy fancy offices let me buy a you know a new car let me get like fancy business cards spend it all on uh, a nice looking website and they have no idea who the customer is so oh yeah uh, <laughs> so 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 when you look at these patterns which have been glamorized by an industry what you can say is okay uh, that's fine but let me see how how the real world works the real world works is you talk to as many customers as you can you find out what they are made of what makes them human what are their worries what are their problems and you have so many conversations that you become one of them and now you can bring up any product or service to the market you will be much more likely to succeed because you have done the homework you have you have figured it out so now now if 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 i say this to somebody most people say oh you know i i'm i just i'm just looking for to raise money cuz what you're talking about sounds crazy i'll go and um uh, do my own thing but then so now as an engineer if i want them to get the benefit of what i'm trying to say i will need to build a system for them which will mm-hmm. actually do their job for them so now we built the system which actually does this for them and now if they i mean the only excuse they have is i just don't want to succeed right um if they don't buy into that idea but that's that, that's how i hope that was give you some insight about how it all works oh absolutely so and and i do think you know everything you're talking about is is uh stuff i believe wholeheartedly and you know one of the things i see also as a as a huge danger is founders that are building a product to solve a problem that they once had yeah. because then they think well i've had this problem i know everything there is to know about it and the thing i always say is but here's the deal you know about it from the perspective of someone who notices the problem and decides to go build a technology to solve it that's not your buyer your customer doesn't want to build a technology like you have a completely different mindset also you had that problem 2 years ago when you first came up with this idea you don't have that problem now and things change so incredibly quickly that you need to be constantly having these conversations and learning more and that brings me kind of to my next question i think there's a pushback and a concern when it comes to ai that it will it it often has a built-in confirmation bias Mm-hmm. and so we've seen some of these things like i think really classic examples are some of the ai technologies around hiring and you realize like oh well you know most of the job candidates we got for this job and the people that were hired were all white men mm-hmm. so they start to prioritize in the sifting and sorting of the of applications and resumes that audience so What do you do? How do you combat that problem of you not actually continuously learning but continuously confirming an an original kind of hypothesis or bias? That's another great question and I and I get this so often. You know, the funny thing is that a lot of people human beings again, they have the tendency to blame others than look inwards, right? <laughs> so artificial intelligence as i said to you it is basically looking for the patterns that exist in the real world yeah now if a bias shows up 
that's not the problem of artificial intelligence as a technology that's the problem of the society where the bias exists in the first place mm-hmm. right it's just accurate enough to pick it up yeah and say oh this is how things are working right now so, so how do you use it to change that if you want to create change in human behavior which i know you do how do you do that so human behavior changes when a new perspective is planted in our head and the new way of doing things give you the benefits um of of that change so in this case for example hiring you know i make sure that in my company 50% of the workforce is female and i make sure that we get people from all over the world not just from one continent so we have people from africa we have people from south america from north america from asia the reason that is because we all look at life very differently mm-hmm. based on our upbringing background and now when we have to solve a problem there are so many combinations so, so many permutations of ideas that come through that team that if i were to hire a, a, a you know a, a team that looks the same the, that talks the same that thinks the same never in the world uh, never in my lifetime will be i will be able to achieve that much right so now i tell people hey look this is how it works if you want to take advantage advantage of this make sure you have diversity in your team if you don't want to listen to me that's fine but you will face this consequence right yeah. so now it's up to people who want to adapt or who don't want to adapt and and slowly as the change happens you know technology catches up That was a very diplomatic way of putting it because you, you where I thought you were going to go is those that want to adapt or die or fail or because that's that's really it right and it, it's yes we can put it in this way of you know you adapt or you don't but in a lot of ways and I think in most situations personal and you know business and strategic adaptation is is required to survive to grow to thrive and we often to your point it's not just that humans are lazy it's our brain is wired to keep us safe and anything new is really interpreted as dangerous and so we have to have that self awareness yeah yeah to be able to kind of spot it and circumvent that. And so I love what you were just explaining of it's really when it comes to the AI it's it it's it's how it is set up or it's the 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 data that you are inputting and it's really a responsibility on the engineer or the 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 team creating it to recognize where there might be some inherent flaws or biases in their data so that they can find another solution around that. Exactly, exactly. So, I want to go back to something you said a while ago about you having this realization that your relationships were not as good as they could be with your, you know, the people in your life, your your wife, your family and your son. So, when you started to think through Okay, how do I improve this? What did you discover? Like what did you learn that ultimately helped you change these relationships, especially the relationship with your son? Well, the the bottom line is very simple actually. Um, you know, we all live in our heads and we all are the center of our universe. Yeah. You know, no matter what we say, no matter what we say to 
anybody that, hey, you know, you are my life or even to our kids. At the end of the day, we're all very self-centered, right? Mm -hmm. And in that, when you when you work in that mode, again, coming back to communications, it's always like any communication is like, okay, what is in it for me? Tell me, like right now. Does this come in, does this conversation benefit me in any way? Okay, no? Okay, then please just, you know, uh, uh, talk to me in five minutes or whatever it is, right? And these patterns show up again and again and again. And through meditation, I had these realizations that that's exactly what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, what meditation does is it actually removes the veil that you are hidden, hidden, hidden behind. Our subconscious is hidden behind. It brings it forward. It, it tells you how you are showing up in the world. And so now if you flip that and say, okay, everybody's self-centered. Now, instead of me being self-centered, let me bring some space for them to express what they want in life. You know, listen to their, their priorities and um, see how you can help them achieve what they want to achieve. You know, yeah. and that shifted everything uh, in personal life, in business life, in, in everything. Well, I'm smirking because I love that I use this analogy a lot. I think a lot about how human communication, like interpersonal human communication is actually really similar to marketing. And if I go to your website and it's all about how great your business is and how awesome your product is, and it's all of, and it's all like us, 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 we, 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 guess what? It's not terribly enticing. Marketing is so much better when it is customer centric, when we're really, when we're hyper focused on what, what do they get out of this? What's in it for them and not their business, your decision maker, right? Like the person that's actually going to buy the thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same in interpersonal communication. If you can have a better, if you can be more focused on someone else's needs or wants, or even just understanding their perspective, it makes it much easier to communicate what you need to in a way that's actually going to resonate and it's going to land for them. But it's, you know, it takes that work. I I love that you're talking about this process of meditation because I think it's really critical. Um, How long have you been meditating? About 10 years now. Um, What do you think is the hardest part? about meditating consistently? I think it's just getting started. You know, um, a lot of people tell me I don't have the time, but I tell them, um, I tell them if you don't have the time, maybe that is the number one reason why you should meditate because it will actually give you time back because so many things will, so many problems that we carry on our back for no reason will no longer be problems. So you'll actually create more headspace to solve the real problems that you need to work on. Um, that is, I think, the, the best uh, thing. And then I went v- way deeper into, you know, into this realm, like a, a lot of things that um, I don't uh, share with people because they don't understand many of it. Um, so, but then meditation is the first step. Like if, if, if people can really take, the, uh, as a, take it up as a habit, I mean, that, that's life-changing. Yeah. And I do think it's, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that really struggle with it. And I think some of what I found to be helpful also is it's okay if you feel like you need to move while meditating. So 
go for a walk, but don't bring your phone. Yeah, 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 exactly. And try to focus on every single step or or um, take a slow, not super aggressive yoga class or something like that. It's okay if, yeah. if you need to not just sit there because I think that's really hard, especially for a lot of people that just get started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that removing the noise. Exactly, exactly. That's that's sort of the key. Um, so so I'm curious. You know, you work with tons of startups now, and all on this, you know, leveraging AI to to grow revenue. What are some of the lessons that you wish these founders would learn just a little bit earlier, or the thing that you're just you you feel like I don't know you're 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 saying the same thing over and over and over again, and you're like, why is this so? Why does this why is this so rare? This should be a really, really common thing that we learn. What 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 winds up coming for you, coming up for you in those conversations? Well, the first thing is as as you mentioned, um, one thing is build it and they will come. A lot a lot of people think, oh, um, oh, uh, you know, oh, it worked for YouTube, uh, you know, it worked for Facebook. I'm like, you have no idea how many things fail because we only hear about the successes we never hear about the failures so this notion of build it and they will come is is so false because the world is so noisy more so now than ever so you have to really really do a hard hard push to get your name out there uh second is um you know you need to have a unique idea so this is another thing where they say oh you know I'm going to be an Uber of uh, uh, gourmet dishes. I'm going to be, you know, this. I'm like, you guys don't need to do any of that, right? Because if you are passionate about something and you can do it better, but you can differentiate your service, there is enough room for competition. In fact, if you don't have competition, then you are in trouble because you are trying a brand new idea. And there are so many examples of it. Like if 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 you didn't have uh, you know, you had Coca-Cola, but then Pepsi came along. You had uh, Uber and then uh, Lyft came along. And so many examples, Nike, Reebok. Um, the the point is that people either are afraid to compete and so they're always looking for that new thing, which is very difficult to explain to people, or they don't differentiate themselves and say, oh, okay, I, I'm just that, same thing, you know. And so so that is another problem. Um, and then uh, it's it's one thing about how I think about businesses. Business is about growing revenue, and unfortunately, especially in the startup world, it has become synonymous synonymous with raising money. Yeah. So people celebrate raising money, and I look at them. I'm like, do you know what you're celebrating? You are taking somebody's money, and you are on the hook to now deliver results. So. They are going to be knocking on your doors every three months saying, okay, what the hell is going on with my money, right? And they are going to have opinions about how you want to run your business. And in so many cases, what I have seen is so many cases, people keep raising money and by the end of it, they are left with like 2% equity in their own company. Yeah. I'm like, what's the point? You're working for a company uh, and if you join an early stage startup, you will probably get to more than 2% equity there. So you know, what are you doing? So, so these are some of the things that keep coming up again and again. Yeah, no, I think these are really, really good points. I, I think about the, 
the if we build it, they will come and and frankly, the money side, the last, the last startup I, I worked for full time before I went out on my own, they raised 3 million. And they we were only a team of 10. They ran out of money 14 months later. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so they just blew through it. And it was really this whole concept of of if they could just make the product a little bit better, that it would all be easier. And what was it, it was frankly, it was phenomenal experience for me as a marketer because mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was a thing. I'd always worked with salespeople and like I had I'd always worked for slightly more mature companies. And so I would do things like, you know, I'd do these all mar- this whole marketing campaigns and people would sign up and then no one would convert. And I realized, oh, no one was like actually really in charge of onboarding. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's all these little <laughs> things that it's just, and I do think, mm-hmm. I think some of it is, um, it's fear coming up because you have lots of technical founders that the idea of selling, the idea of marketing is incredibly intimidating. Mm-hmm. And so they think, you know what, I'm really comfortable on the product side. I'm just going to keep making the product better and better and better. And eventually it's just going to hit this tipping point and people are going to love it. And, you know, we hear all about product led growth, but the whole idea is, you know, product led growth as a concept. If you don't actually understand it, it seems like, oh, I wouldn't need sales and marketing. And that's not really how it not at all. I, I mean, it's so funny when people say that. It's so funny when people say, I don't need sales and marketing because even companies like Coca-Cola have sales teams which are coming out of the wazoo. Like they have regional, oh, yeah. regional same local sales team. Why do you think they need sales people? Yeah, even Atlassian, which is probably the most famous in the tech space of not having a sales team. Guess what? They had a massive partner ecosystem and all the partners sold for them. Exactly. It's not that they exactly. didn't have a sales team. They just exactly. didn't have an, have an in-house one. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, sales don't happen. I mean, getting somebody to take their credit card out uh, is not is not like you can just press a button and it'll happen. Yeah, you know, you have to have a human conversation. You have to build a relationship. Yeah, back to relationships. It all comes back to relationships, doesn't it? Um, Okay, Manoj, this this has been an amazing conversation. You have dropped so many like just knowledge nuggets here that are I know everybody is going to learn so much from. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time. A couple of things. One, uh, if people are interested in learning more about you, learning more about what you're doing, learning more about this accelerator, where where should they go? Yeah, I think the easiest will be just connect with me on LinkedIn and mention that they heard me on this podcast. And uh, yeah, I'll be happy. Yeah, and we'll put the link in show notes. Um, Also, he creates great content on Twitter. So also follow him on Twitter. Um, Yeah, yeah. that's that's I recently got involved in Twitter. Yeah, I mean, you know, my team has been saying you should be on Twitter. I was like, I I don't know, uh, you know, so but I am liking it very much quite a yeah. bit actually yeah it's 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 fun i think in our industry especially and the whole yeah. um the rise of the thread for those of us that are like i can't there's not that much i can say in 280 characters it lets us yeah, be a yeah. little bit more uh verbose yeah, yeah. and now with elon musk god knows what's gonna happen <laughs> oh it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an interesting ride um okay so we finish every interview with three questions um don't don't think don't overthink them. They're fairly simple. Mm-hmm. So w- first one, what's one thing that makes you grateful to be a founder and entrepreneur? Impact on others. 
impact. Absolutely. Okay. Two, what are, what is a resource or a couple could be a book videos? I don't know your accelerator, anything that you feel like was really, really helpful, um, for you in, in your growth and your journey as a founder. So, um, meditation is one if people can adopt it uh if not read this book uh principles of work and life from ray dalio oh that is a really really good one have you read it it's a really good one it's a tome and it's a really good one to continuously go back to it was interesting too i gave that book my father turns 80 next month and i gave him that book I think when he was probably like 78 mm. and he just devoured it. And he was so, he was like, Oh, I wish I'd had this when I was still working. And it was, it's, it's kind of this timeless book that I think is yeah, yeah. very quickly became a classic. Yeah. And last but not least, if you could go back in time um, before you really sort of became an entrepreneur um, what's, what's a piece of advice you would give to your young, your younger self about th- that is just about to embark on this journey? Um, I'll just say, don't worry about anything. Everything will work out. I like that. I like that. Um, Manoj, this is a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for being willing to do this. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode on the High Growth Founders Podcast. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show of whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And look, much like this show, I love getting into the good, the bad, and everything in between. So please feel free to express yourself in the reviews of the show. And consider subscribing to the High Growth Founders newsletter by going to highgrowthfounders.substack.com. You'll get the show delivered to your inbox every single week, plus stories, insights, and actionable tips from my work helping founders accelerate their growth and from my own journey, accelerating my own. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we are here to learn from one another. So please, if the episode made you think of a founder who is leveling up in their business, take a screenshot and share it with them. Okay, that's all I've got. In love and growth, I am out of here. See you next time. 